Chapter Thirteen, Part Two of A General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Thirteen, Part Two of A General History of the Pirates, Volume One, by Charles Johnson. After this cruise, they went into one of the islands and cleaned and then steered for the Bay of Honduras, where they arrived about the middle of March 1722-3, and met a sloop turning out of the said bay. The pirates had hoisted up Spanish colors and continued them till they drew near the sloop. Then they hauled them down, hoisted their black flag, fired a broadside, and boarded her. The sloop was a Spaniard of six guns and seventy men that came into the bay that morning, and meeting there with five English sloops and a pink, made prizes of them all, plundered them, and brought the masters of the vessels away prisoners for the ransom of the logwood. Their names were Tuthill, Norton, Newbury, Sprayfort, Clark, and Parrot. The Spaniards made no resistance, so that the English pirates soon became their masters, and fell to rifling. But finding the above-mentioned people in the hold, and several English goods, they consulted Low the captain thereupon, and without examining any further, the resolution passed to kill all the company, and the pirates, without any ceremony, fell pell-mell to execution with their swords, cutlashes, pole-axles, and pistols, cutting, slashing, and shooting the poor Spaniards at a sad rate. Some of the miserable creatures jumped down into the hold, but could not avoid the massacre. They met death everywhere, for if they escaped it from one hand, they were sure to perish by another. The only prospect they had of life was to fly from the rage of those merciless men, and to trust the more merciful sea. And accordingly, a great many leaped overboard and swam for the shore. But lo, perceiving it, ordered the canoa to be manned and sent in pursuit of them by which means several of the poor unhappy men were knocked in the head in the water, as they were endeavoring to get to land. However, about twelve of them did reach the shore, but in a miserable condition, being very much wounded, and what became of them afterwards was not known, except one, who, while the pirates were at their sports and pastimes ashore, finding himself very weak and fainting with his wounds, and not knowing where to go for help and relief, in this extremity he came back to them and begged for god's sakes in the most earnest manner possible that they would give him quarters upon which one of the villains took hold of him and said god damn him he would give him good quarters presently and made the poor spaniard kneel down on his knees then taking his fusil put the muzzle of it in his mouth and fired down his throat twas thought the rest did not survive their miserable condition and could only prolong their lives to add to the misery of them. When the murdering work was over, they rummaged the Spanish pirate and brought all the booty aboard their own vessels. The six masters aforementioned, found in the hold, they restored to their respective vessels. They forced away the carpenter from the pink, and then set fire to the Spanish sloop and burnt her, which last scene concluded the destruction of their enemy, ship, and crew. Low set the masters of the vessels free, but would not suffer them to steer for Jamaica, where they were then bound, for fear the men-of-war should get intelligence of them, but forced them all to go to New York, threatening them with death when they met them again, if they refused to comply with their demands. 
in the next cruise which was between the leeward islands and the main they took two snows bound from jamaica to liverpool and a snow from jamaica to london brids master as also a ship from bidford to jamaica john pinkham commander and two sloops from jamaica to virginia on the twenty seventh of may low and his consort harris came off south carolina and met with three good ships v the crown captain lovrain the king william the carteret and a brigantine who all came out of carolina together two days before the pirates were at the trouble of chasing them and captain lovrain being the sternmost she fell a prey into their hands and they spent all the day in coming up with the rest within a few days they took a ship called the amsterdam merchant captain willard from jamaica but belonging to new england as low let none of that country depart without some marks of his rage he cut off this gentleman's ears slit up his nose and cut him in several places of his body and after plundering his ship let him pursue his voyage after this he took a sloop bound to amboy william fraser master with whom mr low happening to be displeased he ordered lighted matches to be tied between the men's fingers which burnt all the flesh off the bones he then cut them in several parts of their bodies with knives and cutlashes afterwards took all their provisions away and set some of them ashore in an uninhabited part of the country the kingston captain estwick another ship one burrington master two brigantines from carolina to london a sloop from virginia to bermudas a ship from glasgow to virginia a schooner from new york to south carolina a pink from virginia to dartmouth and a sloop from philadelphia to Suriname fell a prey to these villains upon this cruise besides those above mentioned it happened that at this time one of his majesty's ships was upon a cruise on this station and got intelligence of some of the mischievous actions of this miscreant by one of the vessels that had been plundered by him who steering as directed came in sight of the pirates by break of day on the tenth of june of all days in the year the rovers looking out for prey soon saw and gave chase to the man-of-war which was called the greyhound a ship of twenty guns and a hundred and twenty men rather inferior in force to the two pirate vessels the greyhound finding them so eager was in no doubt what they should be and therefore tacked and stood from them giving the pirates an opportunity to chase her for two hours till all things were in readiness for an engagement and the pirates about gun shot off then the greyhound tacked again and stood towards the two sloops one of them called the fancy commanded by low himself and the other the ranger commanded by harris both which hoisted their piratical colors and fired each a gun when the greyhound came within musket shot she hauled up her mainsail and clapped close upon a wind to keep the pirates from running to leeward and then engaged but when the rogues found who they had to deal with they edged away under the man-of-war's stern and the greyhound standing after them they made a running fight for about two hours but little wind happening the sloops gained from her by the help of their oars upon which the greyhound let off firing and turned all hands to her own oars and at three in the afternoon came up with them the pirates hauled upon a wind to receive the man-of-war and the fight was immediately renewed with a brisk fire on both sides till the ranger's main-yard was shot down and the greyhound pressing close upon the disabled sloop 
lo in the other thought fit to bear away and leave his consort a sacrifice to his enemy who seeing the cowardice and treachery of his commodore and leader having ten or twelve men killed and wounded and that there was no possibility of escaping called out for quarters and surrendered themselves to justice which proved severe enough to them a while afterwards the conduct of Lowe was surprising in this adventure because his reputed courage and boldness had hitherto so possessed the minds of all people that he became a terror even to his own men but his behavior throughout this whole action showed him to be a base cowardly villain for had Lowe's sloop fought half so briskly as harris's had done as they were under a solemn oath to do the man-of-war in my opinion could never have herded them the greyhound carried in their prize to rhode island to the great joy of the whole province though it had been more complete if the great low himself had graced the triumph the prisoners were strongly secured in a gale till a court of vice-admiralty could be held for their trials which begun on the tenth of july at newport and continued three days the court was made up of the following gentlemen william dummer esq lieutenant-governor of the massachusetts president nathaniel payne esq addington davenport esq thomas fitch esq spencer phipps esq john lechmere esq surveyor-general john valentine esq advocate-general samuel cranston governor of rhode island john menzies esq judge of the admiralty richard ward esq register mr jaleel brinton provost-marshal robert akmuda esq was assigned by the court counsel for the prisoners here under mentioned prisoners names ages place of birth charles harris captain twenty five london william blads twenty eight rhode island daniel hyde twenty three virginia thomas powell jr twenty one connecticut new england stephen munden twenty london thomas huggett thirty london william reed thirty five londonderry ireland peter neves thirty two exeter in devon james brinkley twenty eight suffolk in england joseph sound twenty eight city of westminster william shutfield forty lancaster in england edward eaton thirty eight wrexham in wales john brown twenty nine county of durham edward lawson twenty isle of man owen rice twenty seven south wales john tompkins twenty three gloucestershire john fitzgerald twenty one limerick in ireland abraham lacy twenty one devonshire thomas linister twenty one lancashire francis layton thirty nine new york john waters quartermaster thirty five county of devon william jones twenty eight london charles church twenty one st margaret's westminster thomas hazel fifty john bright twenty five these twenty-five were found guilty and executed the nineteenth of july seventeen twenty three near newport in rhode island john brown seventeen liverpool patrick cunningham twenty-five these two were found guilty but respited for one years and recommended to the king's favor john wilson twenty-three new london county 
Henry Barnes, 22, Barbados. Thomas Jones, 17, Fleur, in Wales. Joseph Switzer, 24, Boston, in New England. Thomas Mumper, Indian, Mathers Vineyard, New England. John Hinscher, Doctor, 22, near Edinburgh, Scotland. John Fletcher, 17. Thomas Child, 15. These eight were found not guilty. The destroying this pirate was looked upon by the province to be of such signal service to the public and particular advantage to the colony of New York that it was thought necessary to make some handsome acknowledgment to Captain Peter Solgard for it, and therefore it was resolved in an assembly of the Common Council to compliment him with the freedom of their corporation. The resolution, together with the preamble of the captain's freedom, being curious in their kind, I subjoin them for the satisfaction of the reader. Resolution of the Mayor and Common Council of the City of New York at a Common Council held at the City Hall of said city on Thursday, the 25th of July, Anno Domini, 1723. Present, Robert Walter, Esquire, Mayor, City of New York. This court having taken into their consideration the great service lately done to this province in particular, as well to all his other majesty's good subjects in general, by Captain Peter Solgard, commander of his majesty's ship, the Greyhound, the station ship of the province, who lately in a cruise upon this coast, in due execution and discharge of his duty, upon intelligence given him, sought for, pursued, and engaged two pirate sloops, commanded by one low, a notorious and inhumane pirate, one of which sloops he took after a resolute resistance, and very much shattered the other, who, by the favor of night, escaped. Twenty-six of which pirates, so taken, being lately executed at Rhode Island, not only eased the city and province of a very great trouble, but of very considerable expense, etc., it is therefore resolved, ni mine contradicente, that this corporation do present the said Captain Solgard with the freedom of this corporation, as a mark of the great esteem they have for his person, as well as for the aforesaid great and good services, and that the seal of the said freedom be enclosed in a gold box, that Mr. Recorder and Mr. Bickley do draw the draft of the said freedom, signifying therein the grateful sense of this corporation for so signal a service to the public, and benefit and advantage of mankind, that Alderman Kipp and Alderman Kruger do prepare the said box, that the arms of the corporation be engraved on one side thereof, and a representation of the engagement on the other, with this motto, v. Quisitos Humani Generos Hostes del Bar Superbum, 10 Juni, 1723. That the town clerk caused the same freedom to be handsomely engrossed on parchment, and that the whole corporation do wait upon him to present the same. By order of the Common Council, William Sharpus, Clerk. The Preamble of Captain Peter Solgard's Copy of His Freedom, Robert Walter, Esquire Mayor, and the Alderman of the City of New York. City of New York. To all whom these persons shall come, send greeting. Whereas, Captain Peter Solgard, commander of His Majesty's ship the Greyhound, the present station ship of this province, in his cruise, having intelligence of two pirate sloops of considerable force in consort ship, under the command of one low, a notorious pirate, that had for upward of two years committed many depredations, murders, and barbarities upon many of His Majesty's subjects and allies, 
lately come upon this coast hath with great diligence and utmost application pursued overtaken and after a stubborn resistance vanquished and overcome both of them taking one and driving the other from our coast which action as it is glorious in itself so it is glorious in the public benefits and advantages that slow from it to wit the safety and freedom of our own trade and commerce and of all the neighboring provinces on this continent such signal service done against the enemies of mankind merits the applause of all good men but more immediately from those of this province who are appointed his particular care and charge we therefore the mayor aldermen and commonality of the city of new york assembled in common council to express our grateful sense and acknowledgment to the said captain peter solgard for so noble and faithful a discharge of his duty and as a particular mark of the great esteem and just regard we bear to his kind acceptance of the freedom of the corporation of the city of new york and that he will please to become a fellow-citizen with us these are therefore to certify and declare the said captain peter solgard is hereby admitted received and allowed a freeman and citizen of the said city of new york to have hold enjoy and partake of all and singular advantages benefits liberties privileges franchises freedoms and immunities whatsoever granted or belonging to the same city in testimony thereof the said mayor hath hereunto subscribed his name and caused the seal of the said city to be affixed the twenty-fifth day of july in the ninth year of the reign of our sovereign lord george by the grace of god king of great britain france and ireland defender of the faith etc anno domini seventeen twenty three william sharpest clerk r walter mayor this narrow escape of Lowe and his companions, one would have thought might have brought them to a little consideration of their black and horrid crimes, and to look upon this interval as an opportunity put into their hands by Providence to reconcile themselves to God by a hearty and sincere repentance. But alas, they were dead to all goodness, and had not so much as one spark of virtue to stir them up to be thankful for such an eminent deliverance but instead thereof vented a million of oaths and curses upon the captain of the greyhound vowing to execute vengeance upon all they should meet with afterwards for the indignity he put upon them the first prey that they met with after their flight was a small sloop belonging to nantucket a whale fishing about eighty miles from land the master of which one nathan skiff a brisk young fellow the pirates cruelly whipped naked about the deck making his torture their sport after which they cut off his ears and last of all shot him through the head and then sunk his vessel putting the rest of the hands into their whale-boat with a compass a little water and a few biscuits and it being good weather they providentially got safe to nantucket beyond all expectation there was another whale-boat belonging to this sloop last mentioned which happened to be at some distance from her and perceiving what was doing rowed with all speed to another sloop not far off to acquaint her with the misfortune that the men might take care of themselves and she happily got away in time some days after low took a fishing-boat off of block island but did not perpetrate so much cruelty to her contenting himself with only cutting off the master's head but after taking two whale-boats near rhode island he caused one of the master's bodies to be ripped up and his entrails to be taken out 
and cut off the ears of the other, and made him eat them with pepper and salt, which hard injunction he complied with, without making a word. Several other persons he would have murthered, but humanity prevailing in the tender hearts of his companions, they refused to put his savage orders in execution. From the coast of New England, Low sailed directly for Newfoundland, and, near Cape Britain, took two or three and twenty French vessels, and one of them of twenty-two guns he manned with pirates, making a sort of man-of-war of her, with which he scoured the harbors and banks of Newfoundland, and they took sixteen or eighteen other ships and vessels, all which they plundered and some destroyed. Thus these inhumane wretches went on, who could not be contented to satisfy their avarice only, and travel in the common road of wickedness, but, like their patron, the devil, must make mischief their sport, cruelty their delight, and damning of souls their constant employment. Of all the piratical crews that were ever heard of, none of the English name came up to this in barbarity. Their mirth and their anger had much the same effect, for both were usually gratified with the cries and groans of their prisoners, so that they almost as often murthered a man from the excess of good humor as out of passion and resentment, and the unfortunate could never be assured of safety from them, for danger lurked in their very smiles. An instance of this had likened to have happened to one Captain Graves, master of a Virginia ship last taken. For as soon as he came aboard of the pirate, Lowe takes a bowl of punch in his hand and drinks to him, saying, Captain Graves, here's half this to you. But the poor gentleman, being too sensibly touched at the misfortune of falling into his hands, modestly desired to be excused, for that he could not drink. Whereupon Lowe draws out a pistol, cocks it, and with the bull in the other hand, told him he should either take one or the other. So Graves, without hesitation, made choice of the vehicle that contained the punch, and guttled down about a quart when he had the least inclination that he had ever in his life to be merry. The latter end of July, 1723, Lowe took a large ship, called the Merry Christmas, and fitted her for a pirate, cut several ports in her, and mounted her with thirty-four guns. Lowe goes aboard of this ship, assumes the title of admiral, and hoists a black flag, with the figure of death in red, at the main topmast head, and takes another voyage to the western islands, where he arrived the beginning of September. The first vessel he met with there was a brigantine, formerly an English sloop, commanded by Elias Wilde, but lately bought by a Portuguese nobleman and altered. She was manned partly with English and partly Portuguese. The latter low caused to be hanged, by a way of reprisal, for some of his own men sent thither in a sloop from the Cape de Verde Islands, as has been mentioned. The Englishmen he thrust into their own boat to shift for themselves and set fire to the vessel. At St. Michael's they sent in their boats and cut out of the road, a new London-built ship of fourteen guns, commanded by Captain Thompson, who was taken there the year before, by Lowe in the Rose Pink. The boats had fewer men than the ship, and Captain Thompson would have defended himself, but his men, through cowardice, or too great an inclination of becoming pirates themselves, refused to stand by him, and he was obliged to surrender, and when he came aboard the pirate had his ears cut off close to his head, for only proposing to resist Admiral Lowe's black flag. They gave him one of his own boats, and burnt his ship. 
The next was a Portuguese bark that fell into their hands, whose men came off somewhat better than usual, for they only cut them with their cutlashes out of wantonness and turned them all into their boat, and set their vessel on fire. When the boat was going from the side of the ship, one of Lowe's men, who, we may suppose, was forced into his gang, was drinking with a silvered tankard at one of the ports, and took his opportunity to drop into the boat among the Portuguese, and lie down in the bottom, in order to escape along with them. After he had stowed himself in the boat so as not to be seen, it came into his head that the tankard might prove of some use to him where he was going, so he got up again, laid hold of the utensil, and went off, without being discovered in which attempt, had he failed, no doubt his life, if not the lives of all the people in the boat, would have paid for it. The name of this man is Richard Haynes. Lowe took his old tour to the Canaries, Cape de Verde Islands, and so to the coast of Guinea, but nothing extraordinary happened till they arrived near Sierra Leone in Africa, where they met with a ship called the Delight, Captain Hunt Commander. This ship they thought fit for their own purpose, for she had been a small man-of-war and carried twelve guns. However, they mounted sixteen on board her, manned her with sixty men, and appointed one Spriggs, who was then their quartermaster, to be captain of her, who, two days after, separated from the admiral, and went to the West Indies a-pirating, upon his own and particular company's account, where, for the present, we shall leave him. In January last, Lowe took a ship called the Squirrel, Captain Stevenson, but what became of him afterwards I can't tell. We have had no news concerning him come to England, since this I have now mentioned." but I have heard that he talked of going to Brazil, and if so, it is likely we may too soon hear of some exploit or other, though the best information we could receive would be that he and all his crew were at the bottom of the sea. End of chapter 13, part 2. Recording by Kathleen Nelson, Austin, Texas, May 2010.